I got to tell you, and I think I told you this the first time I met you, uh, you remind me of a sexy Bond villain. <laughs> yeah. That's funny because I get actually the opposite. I always get people that say, you look just like Daniel Craig. You're, you're James Bond. In fact, my daughter tells me that all the time. Hmm. Now, we, like, I, I think the first time I met you, we were, we were doing that group photo for CSW. Right. Yeah. And then uh, Tony and I left, and then I just keep seeing you all around, and I've heard a lot, a lot of really good things. And, guys, uh, this is a Minefields recording. Indie wrestling report uh, or indie burlesque report, and uh, we got Mr. <laughs> Romeo and Cage here. On Cage or Unchained? It's, I, it's uncaged. It's uncaged. Yeah. Right. There's a there's a quick story behind that when I chose that name. You know, everybody thinks that you know I came from an MMA background, so when I decided to call myself Uncaged, it was like I'm coming out of the cage. I'm retiring from MMA. But really, for me, Uncaged was. At that time in my life, I had just gone through a divorce, and I had kind of left like the whole religious aspect and the 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 idea of living in the suburbs and having a um, a station wagon and a golden retriever. And so I chose uncaged to kind of say I'm uncaging myself from society standards. I'm uncaging myself from people's expectations. I'm going to do what I want to do from now on, and it's going to be for me and not for anybody else. So that's kind of where that name came from. What religion, if you don't mind me asking? What was it? What religion, if you don't mind me Say asking? Say that again. Southern Baptist. Are we still Southern Baptist, or are we just on the fringes? Man, I am an atheist at this point. Sometimes I practice voodoo, because I really respect the, the idea behind voodoo. Um, but no, I am not religious at all. No, that, that that makes a lot of sense, man. I've made I've met a lot of people. I, I came from a very religious background myself, and uh, exploring my sexuality and being my sexy self was like one of the biggest, like most freeing, uncaging things. Like, forgive me, not to make a pun. Uh, and I I completely understand. No. What was the catalyst? I mean, like I mean, obviously you said you're going through the divorce, but there's, I mean, a lot of change does do that. But what 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 was it that tempted you? Um, I think it's, you know, I had kind of, I, I had gotten involved with my current partner right now, Foxy Dream, who's a burlesque performer. And, um, you know, she had a lot to do with that because she was much more, um, open-minded and free-spirited than I was. Um, but I think it was just this like culmination of so many things that came together in my life at that point where I had spent so long training for like the Olympics through judo, I, I uh, you know, I had a family. I had three, three kids that were teenagers at the time. Um, so I just, you know, and, and then I had this this wife of mine that we were just not getting along, and I was having religion shoved in my face daily between my family and her, and it just got to this boiling point where I got tired of hiding who I was, and I and. Um, you know, it started with just me one time saying, I want to be a stripper. Like, I want to go strip. Like, I felt like I put a lot of effort into my body at the time. You know, I was in my early 30s. I went to go strip. And, and you know, oh, you can't do that. You know, as soon as people start telling me I can't do something, that's where I start digging my heels in. Did you did you do it in secret? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> I don't do anything in secret. I, I like to be out there. 
So you told your wife, I'm going out, I got a gig tonight, and I'm, I'm going to go try it. Well, no, and actually that just kind of led to arguments and arguing and like a lot of other little things too that I wanted to do um, in life. And, you know, eventually it just, we got to the point where we were like, well, I was like, I'm leaving. I'm not in this relationship anymore. So I didn't actually start stripping for probably a year after that. Had to get used to the new environment? <laughs> kind of. You know, and it's intimidating also, I mean, walking into the, the a strip club and auditioning. So it took it took a lot for me to get there, um, definitely. I mean, that's... You can't just say a lot. I mean, like, honestly, there's there's a lot of fear, I imagine, but also um, I remember uh, I did fetish art modeling in, in Oklahoma City before I moved here, and um, I remember when I first did it, it, like, it was a whole new set of fear. It was people are going to find out what I am, uh, but I'm going to have what I want, my appropriate garb on, I'm around friends. Um, you know, let, let, let's try this. Did you have that same sort of support system or additional fears? Well, I didn't have any support system other than my partner at the time, which was Foxy. And, you know, she, she also was branching out into stripping herself. So, um, we kind of supported each other in it, but it really, it ultimately led us to burlesque, which to me is, is such a beautiful art form. And I really have a lot of respect for burlesque. Um, even though I do bounce back and forth from just what I call, I guess, I don't, I don't want to say normal stripping, but like stripping in a strip club versus performing in a burlesque show. They're very different things, even though it's kind of the same thing, the art of the tease, you know? So no, I didn't have much of a support system, but coming off of like the Olympics and, and, and my experiences as a professional athlete, I was used to being in front of a lot of people, but the idea of dancing kind of scared me. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's move on. So a little that's, bit. I think that was where my biggest. Just because it was like an art form, you never like performed in front of anyone before, type thing. Like I, I consider MMA. I consider all martial arts art form. Uh, stripping, I don't really consider to be really that good of an art form. I'm not saying it's not. But burlesque is definitely, yeah. definite, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shitting on it. I'm, 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 I'm just calling it like how I see it. But burlesque is, there's, there's an artistic quality to it that isn't just like, hey, let's go see some tits and some ass, you know. And you, you got to think yeah. about it. You got to design your costume. Uh, I mean, like one of the things I liked about, I didn't really per se do burlesque, but uh, there, we, we were basically a troupe. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have that sort of support system now with what you do in burlesque? Oh, absolutely. We have a uh, local troupe here in Colorado Springs that we've been growing for some time. Um, in fact, the the troupe, as we call it, is the largest in the United States right here in Colorado Springs. Really? How many of you guys are there? We have over 100. That's wonderful. I mean, how do you even book people for shows, man? Mm-hmm. It gets chaotic, for sure, and being right now, I have two venues that I book out of. Um, it, I, had to, I had to create some serious processes to keep everything organized. Well, let's get back to the art before we get to the execution. Um, so 
Did you just uh-huh. start straight stripping, like like at, like uh, you know, go downtown and find a strip club and audition, and then eventually start finding a, a higher art form of burlesque, or did you, you know, kind of dance around the fringes for a bit and find something really good right away? Well, actually, I tried out for a couple of local places. One was called the Locker Room Boys, um, which they're no longer around anymore, and another one was um, Fair Assets in Denver, which actually turned me down um so i got involved with this local kind of group locker room boys and and there was a before the the strip club which is now called the snooty fox it used to be called the sick puppy and they used to do like all male reviews out there so that was my first little kind of like foray into stripping um but honestly it was burlesque that made me a better stripper once i got into the burlesque part after I did burlesque for three or four years, then I started traveling around and we would just local, I mean, we would go to a, like New Orleans, for example, and just walk into a strip club. Hey, can I audition? And they'll usually let you on the spot. Um, and then they'll hire you on the spot. It's, you know, a subcontractor. You don't, there's no paperwork or anything other than quick sign this thing with this waiver and, you know, you keep your tips. There was a, so I trucked with this crew in uh, Oklahoma City, and like pretty much the leader was the the woman that dressed us up. Her name is Nicole Moan. You should check her out. She makes ceramic corsets. Mm-hmm. Her name is spelled like Moan, mm-hmm. but it's Moan. It's, it's not a play on words. That's literally her last name. She makes ceramic corsets, and we yeah. were we were supposed to do a fetish art show, and she was on the she was the main thing on the flyer. It was all her on the flyer. We show up and. We're like, what are we set up? And the organizers are like, who are you? And we're like, she gets really pissed <laughs> off. Uh, obviously, she's the main thing on the flyer. And it wasn't like where she was the first person on the flyer. She was the fucking flyer. And uh, we we go outside, right. and uh, she's like, "Fuck this! Let's get that. Let's get back to the studio." We go back to the studio, and I was like, "I have a. I even have a really better idea now that someone has completely fucked our night." I was DJing downtown, and uh, I was like, "Let's let's get dressed up anyway, and go downtown, and let me take point." And she's like, "Fuck it, let's go." So we go to the liquor store, we get some weed, we're getting dressed. I remember it was funny because like uh, I, I was like, "Let me go in the other room." Like, like where are you going? And um, what do you mean? And like we've seen you naked a million times. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. We we get dressed, we get out of the car. I was like, "Follow me." I was barefoot. All I was wearing was a ceramic corset. A, a, a sarong, no underwear. I was carrying a 40 in a paper <laughs> bag, and I had kabuki makeup on. Nice. And I had my headphones. And um, we go to the, uh, there was like, I want to say there was like 15 or 16 of us. And I was like, just follow my lead, just trust me. And we go up to Skybar, which was the fucking club, you know, like the where DJM, you know, showed up. And like, you know, there was a lot of great stuff there. It was, it was the, the hoity toity, you know, dickhead fucking place. And I remember someone was like, what are we doing here? And I was like, fucking trust me. And there's a line around the, the, the block to get in, and you got to get an elevator, go up to the top floor. Went up to I went I went straight up to the fucking bouncer, this bald guy who I knew was, he's a cop. I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, "Hey, we want to come in." And he said, "Go ahead, <laughs> like like fuck it, like like he, he he knew what was going on." And for the rest of the night, we just went to like I think we went to like six different clubs and just tapped the bouncer and said, "Hey, we want to come in." And 
it, I, I'm, I'm feeling that vibe when you're like, you show up in New Orleans, you show up with a bunch of beautiful people that yeah. are just oozing sexuality. Right. And, and, um, sorry, I just had to share that story with you. Um, sorry guys, this, this podcast no, is it's fun. It sounds, sounds very familiar. Very familiar. <laughs> um, I, I love doing that where I, I show up in like an extreme costume and just people just let you in and let you do whatever you want, no matter where you are. Do you find yeah. that regular people can pick up on your vibes, even in street clothes? Um, yes, but mostly because honestly, I don't, I don't have a different way of dressing anymore. Um, when I first started and I took the name Romeo and Cage, I used to kind of have to like get into character daily when I'd go to perform. And sometimes that meant taking a couple shots of alcohol or, or on some drugs, whatever I was into at the time, um, just to get into that state of mind. But the longer I started doing it, I just kind of morphed into Romeo and Caged. And at this point now, I have my own unique style that no matter where I go, I get stared at for sure. Um, everywhere I go now. And people do pick up that vibe. But it is because I do dress differently than, than everybody else. Um, and I act the way I act now, which is sometimes flamboyant, but mostly more just super confident and almost. I, here's the biggest question I get all the time. Are you in a band? Are you in a band? Are you a rock star? Like that kind of stuff. People always ask me that in public. So. No, I, I, I feel it. I, I feel it. Uh, Tony and I were at a, a comic store we always head up to before we had new, new era. And this guy was like, are you guys in a band? Like, no. Like, what, mm-hmm. why would you, what, Tony's like, why would he ask us that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, look at us. Right, but, uh, right, right. But, but that's not my question. Right. My question is like, if you were to go Clark Kent, I mean like full blown Clark, mm-hmm. Clark Kent, like you, 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 no makeup, nice, like untailored suit, not nice, but you get what I'm saying. I think pe- people yeah. people would still pick up on you. I feel that the I feel like the repressed people in the world, especially the sexually repressed people in the world, can smell the ones that are un completely unoppressed and free. They they just sense it. Yeah. Do you- yeah, you you're right about that. I do get that a lot. Um, usually, I get it with people that start hanging out with me a little bit and. Then I start hearing the, hey, man, I, I really want to be like you. Like, you've, you've inspired me to, like, make these changes in my life. And I love love you. You're carefree. Don't give a fuck attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone knows that one of my taglines or one of my mottos is live free. Uh, I'm sorry. Live wild, die free. And and that's kind of how I put myself out there. Like, I'm going to live wild and I'm going to die free. Nobody's going to have a fucking cage around me. Um, so yeah, I think, and, and there's times, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I can clean up really nice. I can comb my hair. I can put on a suit and I can play the part of just about anything for, until you talk to me, I think for a few minutes. Right. Now, when, when I first started being me, like the real me, I found that everyone wanted to touch me. Like, without asking. But another thing I found was because... Another thing I found was because I was really skinny and very goth was that I was the one, Mm -hmm. the guys that were worried that they were gay or wondering if they were gay would come up to and and have a few shots at a party and then 
like, hey, can we talk outside? Yeah, sure. What's going on? I, I've never kissed. Yeah. A, I've never kissed a guy before, and I'm like, why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't yeah. mind it. I was actually pretty flattered. Uh, I like, okay, I'll kiss you, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not gay, right. but um, that I remember helping one person who was like, I remember his, his name was Colt. I won't say his last name, but uh, everyone was like, why, why won't he come out? Why won't he come out? And we were at a party, and it was the first time we had ever done X. And, um, you know how every good party, there's like three bitches that weren't invited, like standing there looking like they're better than everybody. <laughs> and, uh, right. we were just starting to peak and I'm dancing with Colt in the living room with the lights off. It was a cheesy Oklahoma bullshit party, you know, like we had one strobe light and shit and, <laughs> and, uh, I'm dancing with Colt. Right. I'm dancing with Colt, and uh, this girl's like, like, "Who's that faggot in the corner?" Or in dancing with Colt, and I was like, "I'll show you, faggot." And of mm-hmm. course, what's the best way to tell someone that you're not gay? <laughs> Kiss the guy that you're dancing with. <laughs> and um, right. I, I planted right. it on him. Planted it on him, and the I, I felt this immense sense of relief. And afterwards, like uh, I remember, like uh, uh, it was like the next day, he messaged me. My heart's beating out of my fucking chest because you know that all Oklahoma fucking X is half meth and I had no idea. <laughs> and um he's he's messaging me like that kisses yeah. for the ages. I'm like, well I'm glad you enjoyed it, but that's probably not gonna happen again. But let's find you let's find <laughs> you let's find you someone good. Have you have you had experiences like that too? Oh, all the time. You know, I'm openly bisexual so what I get, and, and, I, and I'm very masculine presenting, and I'm very, you know, I, I have this whole tough guy image, whatever, whatever. Um, so I'm not like your standard what people assume that gay men are supposed to act like. I, I'm not necessarily flamboyant. I don't talk with a lisp. I'm, I'm not fem, feminine in, in most ways. Um, so I get a lot of guys that are closeted by or gay, and... They want to use me to come out, basically, and and I kind of jokingly I, I call myself the 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 gateway to gay town sometimes because a lot of men have you know hey can I make out with you in public I want other people to see kind of thing or I just want to try this um, or a lot of times um, you know I've had some experiences uh, my partner and I um, Foxy we we're not monogamous um, we have our own boundaries within our relationship but. We've definitely gotten into some things where another guy wants to engage with her or have a three-way with us, and you know they'll tell me right away, "I'm I'm straight, I'm hetero, like this will be a double three-way where the two guys don't have any contact." Sure, and will, buddy. Before sure you know will. it, he's sucking my dick. <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. It happens all the time. So yes, that definitely I experience that all the time. And I think that it's a good thing. I, I'm glad that I, I inspire people to come out. Or to want to at least, hey, if he can do it, I can fucking do it. I think it's a great thing because especially, like, uh, I remember I was reading some stupid movie trivia today about, like, the the guy that played the an orderly or a doctor in The Exorcist. Um, apparently, that guy killed a shitload of people, a, a bunch of gay men. And what, uh, what, what happened in my mind wasn't what I imagined happened in other people's mind. Like, oh, how could he kill all these people? Or, uh, God forbid, some shithead be like, good, he killed all those queers. What happened in my mind was, oh, 
he's gay and someone pushed him down so much that he couldn't even possibly think that he could try to be or even imagine it or or fantasize about being gay and he instead of being himself killed a bunch of gay men does that yeah. sound accurate yeah well, absolutely i mean i feel like a lot of guys like it's 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 a lot easier for women to to come out as bisexual than men in my opinion um, at least correct. in my experiences. In fact, I love doing this. When I, when I empty a burlesque show, I like to get the microphone. And one thing I always ask, I'm like, hey, where's all my bisexual men in the audience? And, of course, it's, it's a ghost town. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, yeah, that's what I fucking thought. Yep. Yeah. You're all out there, but you're all still in the closet. You because, pussies. <laughs> you know, statistically speaking, bisexuality is the most common, the most common sexuality in the world. So, but they're all, they don't want to admit it. It's, it's a, and it's society. Society has done it to us. It is. I mean, I mean, thank God we live where we live now, where at least it's okay in some fashion, or you can find the strip or the, the hood that you can go hang out at and possibly yeah. make some friends. Um, the right. it, it's it's a sad state of affairs when when, when people ask me what I am because every now and then, like, uh, there's very few people I'm I'm close with um, because I just don't trust anybody. But when people do ask me, what, what are you? You know, like, come on. Like, you, you, you say things that are different. And I'm like, I, I, I always tell them that I like pretty things. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like that's, that's the best way I can describe it. Like, it's, I, like I, it's not that I'm afraid mm-hmm. to say I'm bisexual. It's not that I'm afraid to say I'm gay or that I'm straight. I just, I just really like pretty things. And kissing them mm-hmm. yeah. and, that's, and that's the beauty of what burlesque does for people like we we're talking about burlesque being an art form you know back in the day when burlesque first started it it was started by women because they did not have a voice in society people didn't care what they had to say or what their opinions were but they started realizing that if I get up on a stage and I start dancing and I start showing a little ankle or maybe I take a glove off all of a sudden the men in the audience will shut the fuck up and listen to me. Yeah. And so they started designing these acts, these burlesque acts to like put a message out there. Mm-hmm. If you go to a burlesque show, some of it's just silly, but a lot of it are people putting out an important message that they do through song and dance and their costuming. And so I have, I have one, act, one act that is important to me and it's my way of putting out and I call it fragile and it's based on fragile masculinity. Um, I basically, I come out in this like 17th century full pink costume, the white powdered wig, the way that men dressed back then, yeah. but all in pink and lit and the little baby doll shoes and the whole work. But the whole act, um, is based off of a Ted talk by Justin Baldini, who does this thing about men who are raised in this society that we have to be tough, that women are not tough. And that we're better than women. And, you know, all of that bullshit, misogynist, um, patriarchal shit that's been shoved down our throats for our entire lives. Um, so I based that act on that. The song is Fragile by Tech 9 which is perfect. And I basically, I go through this burlesque act, acting very flamboyant and gay until I start taking the clothes off. And everyone can see that I have muscles and I'm masculine. 
and then it's a lot flexing and like dancing more like a male stripper and it just kind of fuses the two together making a statement that i like to put out there that it's okay to like pretty things it's okay to, to dress in pink and it doesn't make you less of a man no it doesn't at all i think being a man is being who you should be and who you feel you are um it's it's or it, actually let me phrase that i think being a human being a functional human being is being who you are and who you should be and who you feel you are it doesn't matter gay yeah. straight female male just just be you and and don't do that fucking bullshit to me. Don't 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 act like like okay now I'm gay so I have got to, I've got to start lisping. That's not how you fucking talk. Like I mean if that's how you right. want to talk, okay I get it I get it. If, if, if that's if that's what's going on, fine. But then you got to prove to me that I mean I, I've got a lot of different ideas. I'm, I'm not saying if you're lisping that you know fuck you. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, what I'm saying is, no, I get you. I get you. Is be you. If that's how you want to talk, if that makes you feel good, and that's how you express mm-hmm. yourself, absolutely, do that shit. Do that shit. Find a find a core group of people uh, that are going to support you. Fuck anyone that says you know. Um, I had a very close family member come out to me, and uh, I was like, I know. And she was like, how do you know? And I was like, I, I just know. And uh, and I, mm-hmm. I, I told her, don't tell your mom and dad. Let me rephrase this. You don't have to tell your mom and dad that you're gay. And she was like, why? Like, right. don't I have to do the, the thing? Like, no, you don't. Straight people don't have to be like, mom, dad, I need to talk to you about something. I'm straight. Right. No, that's bullshit. Right. Yeah, just be you. And fuck everyone else. Like, what you do in your privacy of your own home is you. And as long as you're... Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm rambling, man. I get really passionate yeah. about this sort of thing. No, no. I love it. It is 2022, and it is a new era. It's a new age. And I love that it's becoming more commonplace, and people are feeling more safe to be able to come out, especially men. Um, and the more that they see other men that are doing it and not doing it in the way that we were taught when we were younger, like you have to be super feminine and you have to talk with a lift. You don't have to do that. No. And I think people are really surprised often by me that I don't behave that way. And yet, uh, for example, I mean, I, I've made out with a couple other wrestlers uh, on the circuit and they've come out as bi since then. Um, but I love being like in a public crowded place and they see us, you know, the, the, the muscular arms and we're very masculine and all of a sudden we turn we start kissing each other. Yeah. It usually shuts the fucking bar down for a minute. Like everybody stops silent. Everybody's watching. But then inevitably at least two or three men will come up to me later and be like, how are you guys so confident just to do that? Like, I, you know, I, I, I'm secretly bi. I'm good. I've never told anyone. So I love that I can inspire people that way and let people know that you don't have to follow the the standard of like what you're talking about. You don't have to. You can no. do it your own way. No. And you don't have to come out. Just be you. Preach. And and, and I agree. And, and there's there's a, be- yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a there's a beauty to that. And you, like I remember I, I worked with this one gay dude at uh this restaurant I worked at like a long time ago. And he was dirty. And he he wasn't effeminate. He wasn't bulky, but he wasn't like super skinny. And he talked about dick the way 
dudes talk about pussy and he's like this doesn't bother you and i was like no dude this fucking be you (laughs) like like you know like i I don't mind if we're in the right time and place you know it's not like your grandma's here uh yeah keep that shit down grandma's here but uh um we're 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 cleaning up in the night he's telling me about his boyfriend and about like how like amazing his dick is and i'm like how veiny is it He's like, oh, it's so veiny. Right. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Right. Big throbbing yeah. one for you, brother. And he's like, he, he doesn't bother you? Like, no, dude, just fucking be you. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and it confused him that I was cool. And then he he his coming out to me was how he felt intimidated by the other gay men that he wasn't so effeminate. And that blew my fucking mind. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a cool thing. I really appreciate people. I mean, then I'm seeing it now, like everybody in different walks of life and different ways of doing it. There's no standard. There is no formula that you have to follow. No. And that's my whole purpose of being Romeo Uncaged is you fucking be you and you do whatever the fuck makes you happy as long as you're not hurting other people. Yeah, as long as you're not hurting anyone, just do what you got to do. Because uh, otherwise, mm-hmm. otherwise bad shit happens and you're going to disconnect and kill a bunch of gay men that you secretly want to kiss. Absolutely. <laughs> and that, that, that always makes me sad, man. I'm going through my notes here. Um, were you, when were you first introduced to drugs? Um, so pretty much later in life. I mean, other than when I was young, like with the whole marijuana when I was young, of course, I would say my, if you want my very first experience with marijuana, I was in um, uh, Jamaica, funny enough, and you know, I was right. 18. I was in the bathroom at Hard Rock Cafe, yeah, and somebody kicked the fucking door in, and it's this large Rastafarian guy, and I'm 18 years old, you know, all of 130 pounds, uh, with my pants around my ankles, and he says, hey, you want to buy some weed, man, you know, and I was like, uh, sure, you know, pulled my wallet out with we did a drug deal right there while I was taking a shit. Um, <laughs> but that was the first time that I actually smoked weed. Um, and I, I'm not a big marijuana person. I don't smoke a lot of weed occasionally. And, and I do enjoy an edible if I need to sleep. But, um, you know, I, once, I, once I became Romeo and I, I, I changed my life around, a part of that was, hey, I've been told that drugs are bad my whole life, like all the everything. And so I kind of made it a point where I wanted to fucking try shit. So I, I had this kind of policy. If somebody brings me something and says, hey, you want to try this? I don't say no. Yeah, sure, I'll try it, you know, and I'll give it a shot. And at this point now, I've tried just about every hard drug out there, and I have most of them I don't like, but some of them I do like. So <laughs> yeah, no, no, but the, here we are. And, and I, I appreciate you sharing that. The, the, my question is, is that uh, I've had really good experiences with burlesque, but I've also had a lot of really bad experiences with burlesque. Um, because there's really good mm-hmm. troops, and then there's just a bunch of creepy swingers that want to have some crazy depraved orgy. Um, I remember DJing a party yeah. in uh, o- Oklahoma City. I got hired to with a lot of money to DJ a private party in a very big house, and there were butlers walking around with silver, like you know, trays that had lines going on. I remember, like, like you, you know, like, and I'm okay. So this is this is what I got to do, and I, I kind of felt like that. Okay, I'm yeah. kind of stuck here. Um, but, um, good burlesque troops, bad burlesque troops, meth, 
creepy swingers that just want to have orgies and that's not there's no art to it it's 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 yeah. help help us distinguish between well you know burlesque is the art form but being that it is the art of the tease and it is a sexual thing it does draw a lot of toxic people and or groups of people so it's usually not the burlesque troupe that's doing it but there's people that get involved and 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 what i find here a lot is we get people that get involved and they feel like the troupe or the group of performers is their new their new hunting ground like they're in, under this umbrella of poly polyamorous and they can yeah. fuck whoever they want and they just kind of assume that everybody else that's in burlesque is because it's such a a free-for-all art form, and people are, you know, taking their clothes off. But the reality is, is that most people, most of the performers, at least within our troupe, are pretty vanilla. They're, you know, not, they, they are monogamous relationships. Um, they come, they do their performance, and then they go home. Mm-hmm. Now, there's the other half that um, are not that way, and there are a lot of poly people, a lot of swingers, all under this non-monogamous umbrella of sexuality, which... Still I can appreciate, but I agree with you, and and I, I always joke about this, but swingers are the worst fucking people in the world. I hate saying that, but it's reality. They have this really toxic approach at non-monogamy, where it's always boy on girl, and you have to swap partners, or and 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 attraction doesn't mean anything. We just fuck anybody, and the expectation is that you do it back, and. I, it just it gets really um, old with dealing with swingers to me, the, the, and I hate to just say that because there are I, I have a lot of friends that are swingers and there's some good ones, but and I, I get it, I, and I get it. I'm not saying they're all. That's, I'm not saying they're all. That's not what I'm saying at all. Is the the reason I want to talk about it with you is the to distinguish between that because I've like I said I've I've been involved before. I I, I understand. But then, but then someone shows up and is really pushy and wants to be everyone's best friend and can offer a bunch of stuff. And then, but they, but their stories are weird. It's like, have you ever worked at a restaurant before? Yes. Okay. So I was working at at, at a restaurant one time, and uh, my boss was like, "Wow, that guy!" Like she interviewed a guy, and wow, he's really good. I'm going to hire him. And I was like, "Let me see his resume." And she's like, "It's great. He's worked at all these places." And I'm like, "Wrong." And she was like, what's wrong? He's worked. He's got a lot of experience. Look, he's worked at five different places in the past two years. It's Well, maybe mm-hmm. he just likes to s- switch it up. I'm like, no. He's been fired a bunch of times because he's a fuck-up. And, and he just is able to charm someone like he just did you. And... The the, mm-hmm. the creepy swingers I'm thinking about, they come and they talk about, well, I used to have a group of friends like this, and they, 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 they have a bunch of old surrogate families that are no longer around, and there's a reason, because they got expelled. They got expelled. Like, we just uh-huh. can't, we can't deal with you. Uh-huh. It, 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 is that a, uh-huh. an accurate description? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we get it in burlesque, too. And we've had to... I mean, we don't fire people, but we've had to remove people from our groups um, for that very same reason. So yeah, we get that all the time. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a little disappointing, and then they, they they just they're the ones that were your friends will show up and be like, "Hey, I was thinking about you at the store earlier, and I I, I know I was coming over, so I bought your favorite bottle of whiskey. But that's really nice of you. Thank you very much." But then these guys are like, "I got some meth." <laughs> um, right. That's that's not. 
exactly what we're looking for tonight. And, uh, well, it's free and still, still no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and unfortunately, if people know that, like, for my situation, that I'm in a non-monogamous relationship, um, and they don't, they don't even care what your boundaries are or how that works. Um, they think you're free we use. Definitely, we'll get all the time. Yeah, I'll get it all the time where, where, or I'll get invited to dinner or me and my partner both. And the last time there was an older couple and they wanted to tell us about all the vacations they like to take younger couples on and all the money that they're going to throw at you and the drugs and whatever, whatever. And I don't, even, I don't even know why we entertained that dinner party that night, but it was, it was a fucking debacle for sure. And it was almost humorous just sitting through it. No, I, I get it. Uh, I was at the, uh, there's a little, it's not the uh, Shame and Regret, which is my favorite little speakeasy I've ever, ever been to. I don't know if you've ever been there before. It's one of the best places in the world. Um, there, I have, and it used to have a different name, but yeah. There, uh, there, there is a cigar mm-hmm. bar. I was there with an ex-girlfriend, and this older couple starts talking mm-hmm. to us, and and then she starts touching me, and Holly's looking at me like, what's going on? And, and I was like, this, they're these, this is a creepy swinger couple that is trying to pick up with us. And she's like, what do we do? And I was like, what we should, what we should do and what we are going to do is we're going to have them buy us drinks all night and then we're going to (laughs) leave. And that is exactly it right there. And and she, I love that. And And that's where I'm at now. It was, it was hilarious. And she was like, she was a little offended at first. Like, what are we going to humor these people? No, we're not going to humor these people. They're fucking dumb asses. Uh-huh. And then we're going to go home uh-huh. and, and yeah, it happened. I mean, like the, the, the woman started like, she, the way she started touching me and I'm like, uh, uh-huh. hold on here, beef curtains. And I, that, that, uh-huh. it was time to leave. So uh-huh. that's when I decided to be shitty. And I'm I'm not a shitty guy, mm-hmm. but, but they were so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't mind it. I was like, hold on, beef curtains. Mm-hmm. And she's like, right. what? And I was like, yeah, we're going home. Thank you for the drinks. And she's like, but we got we bought you a bunch of drinks. And I was like, here's the thing here. <laughs> I just called you beef curtains in front of that pussy right there and pointed right in his face, mm-hmm. pussy. Mm-hmm. And he's not doing shit, are you? And he just stared at me and like, you guys have a good night. And. That is, if you saw that in paper, you'd like, wow, what a fucking asshole. This this couple, you, you don't even know that they, that's what they're doing. No, wrong. That's exactly what they're doing. That's how they're used. Uh-huh. And uh, we we got in the we got in the cab, and Holly starts just laughing her ass off. She's like, how how did you know that? And I was like, I I could smell it. <laughs> I could smell it uh-huh. off of them. And. Uh-huh. Uh, no. And for you mind feelers out there, I don't refer to women as beef curtains. Uh, but the situation was yeah. so ridiculous. It called for mm-hmm. it, and it was funny. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you know the, these these swinger couples like that. They're so toxic, and they think that they can buy you or like trick you, and it drives me fucking crazy. And I expect it if I go to a sex club. Okay, I expect that. Yeah. But if that happens to me at a normal strut or someplace else. Then yeah, I'm all down for. I will fucking take you. I'll take as much advantage of whatever you're offering until it comes time to pay the piper, and then you're not getting paid. No, you're not. Um, I hate that shit. It, no, it's so um, funny though, isn't it though? Yeah, it's 
Yeah, it really is. And I can smell them a mile away now, too. And it, it just constantly happens. But, you know, I, I always appreciate people that are either swimmers or not monogamous that will come up and have a conversation with you at first. Like, they'll just put it out there. That I appreciate. Right. Like, let me say no. Let me say yes. Let, let me look at you and say I'm not attracted to you. No and don't get fucking offended over it. You know? and, no illusion. And I have met people like that, and it's been, it's been really cool. And sometimes I'll say yes, and most of the time I'll say no. It just depends, you right. know? But I, I do appreciate that. And at least I'm not going to fucking drain your bank account that night if I can, you know? Yeah. Because once once they put that out there, man, and and when the the worst ones come at you and they think you're free use, uh-huh. like like uh-huh. and, and that that is and for you listeners out there, look up what the word free use is and see what videos you get. They are not good. Yeah, they they are no, they, they're not. They, they're they, they're they're not okay. Like, like even if they're legal, yeah. they're it's still not okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, well, well, I mean, and you kind of get that, in, you kind of get that in the burlesque world or more so in the stripper world, um, where people just assume that you're a stripper, they can put their hands all over you. And, and, and when you're stripping, you kind of allow it because that's the whole nature of the game. You're trying to get as much tip money off of them as possible. And especially men, because men, like as a man, I've never felt like I was in fear of being followed out to my car and raped at night. So I've allowed way more contact than women will typically allow as a, as a male stripper. Uh, but over the years, I kind of started realizing that me doing that was kind of setting a bad standard for women that can't do that. And I'm letting people get away with some stupid shit that I probably shouldn't be. So now in burlesque, whenever I MC a show, I make sure and, I, and something I go over before every show, you know, consent is a fucking thing. Do not put your fucking hands on one of my performers when they're on stage or when they're off stage. Um, and if you do, you're, you're, you're going out the front door, you know, being carried. So don't fucking touch them. Right. Um, it has happened to me at burlesque shows as well as stripping, but, you know, I had one woman shove her finger up my ass one time and then hand me a $20 bill. And I was just like, oh, cool, thanks, you know, because I was used to that. Yeah. Well, but it's not a good thing. Well, you have to forgive me how I've structured our conversation. Um, I'm not focusing on the bad stuff. The the reason why I wanted to talk about the negative aspects of the things that you and I have encountered and what you're currently encountering, I'm I'm not part of a burlesque troupe currently, but um, Mm -hmm. in order to talk about it, I think we need to talk about the the, the taboos, the... um, the things that people are worried about beforehand before we can talk about the real art. Because when you hear what we're talking about as a, I don't want to say normal person, as a, someone that's not part of this universe, you're going to immediately have like mm-hmm. ten or di- five or different things that are going to just put a block to it, like, fuck this. Um, but if we talked about the things that they're worried about, we might be able to talk about the art. <laughs> Let's talk about the structuring of a story. Let's talk about the costume making. Let's talking about let's talk about the friendship. Let's talk about the surrogate families of the people that can't go home for Christmas that are there at your place. Let's talk about the the, the best parts about it. Like, what's the first thing that pops in your head when we're talking about the art and the friendship and the family making? Well, I'll tell you this: that most most women that come into burlesque, and I say women because it is a, a heavily dominated women's art. 
Um, so we do get most women. Um, they come in in a very broken place. They usually come off of a really bad relationship or they've been raped. They've been, you know, they've gotten some trauma in their life. And this is a way that they take back their own sexuality. Like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get naked on stage because I fucking choose to. Not because some guy's going to make me do it, you know? And so I love that about the left. It gives people a place to do that. And so we get a lot of women to come in and we share stories and, and everybody kind of bonds right away. And the, the troop itself starts to become a family. And a lot of people that their families have turned their backs on them for whatever reason, my, mine included, um, you know, when we do like Thanksgiving or, or, or holidays, you know, it's usually with the left people. Like we're all... Um, a, a type of um, dysfunctional family, if you would. Um, but sometimes dysfunctional is a good thing, you know? I tell it's people, not the norm by any... And I agree. I agree 100%. I tell people all the time, the funnest place to be on Christmas Eve is a gay bar. Why would you say that? Mm. Uh, it's a bunch of people with their surrogate families <laughs> that can't go home that are ready to get fucking lit. And I'm not taking, like, orgy crazy yeah. shit. Like let's fucking party! Like 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 yeah. you love me when these people that don't, and we're here to dance. We're here to have a kick ass time. Like really, yeah, no. Gay bars on Christmas Eve absolutely are the shit, and absolutely. And I say strip clubs yeah. on Thanksgiving are the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. But then, you know, the other part of the last I think too that would be a positive is it is a creative outlet. When I talk about putting a story on stage, when you create a burlesque act, you really, you get to put a lot of thought into it and you pick the song choice, but you pick a song that really makes people think or something that pervades what you're putting on stage. Then you build this really elaborate costume and you get to decide how it comes off your body and get creative with it. Like maybe I want to rip the sleeves off. Maybe I want to rip the collar off. You know, uh, I have a shirt that I can rip off and it leaves the collar and the cuffs on. It's, it's amazing. It's crazy. But it gives you this creative outlet to really just do some crazy shit you've been thinking about, or you're like a huge fan of something, and you get to put a, an act on stage that shows how big of a fan you are for, with that. Um, I, I have an act that's based on the movie Gladiator, because it's one of my favorite fucking movies, and the concept of it is, are you not entertained? And you, you know that line from the movie. Of course. Like, He's in this arena, he's fighting, and, and nobody's really cheering just because he's so good at what he's doing. They're just like in all of it. And he keeps saying, are you not fucking entertained? Like you're putting us here in this. So I, I built an act around that where I'm trying to get the audience to engage. I'm, are you not fucking entertained? And I put sound clips from the movie into it. And I go from like, I have a sword that lights on fire and I'm spinning it. Um, to where finally to get their attention at the end, I play pour it up by Rihanna and I start stripping like a fucking woman, um, out of, out of a gladiator costume. And the audience goes ape shit every time I do it. They love it. And at the end it's, yeah, you were fucking entertained right now, weren't you? So I just love that creative outlook that burlesque. I love it. I, I'm a hundred percent for it, man. It's, it's, um, I mean, you and I are involved deeply in the wrestling community here, and uh, it has the same sort of um, patina. Is that the right word? Um, in terms of yeah, it, it's 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 a different form of art of of performance work, but the storylines when you see people that are like this saved me or. Um, 
this is my favorite thing in the world and and it's art to them whether or not like they're not buying you know a 10 million dollar piece over at the met the, the what their work of art is is their abaddon shirt <laughs> that 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 they that, yeah. that means a lot a lot to them and uh I, I'm I'm loving what you're doing, man. Uh, I really like. You. I, I can't wait to get on the shows. Um, you guys do a lot of shows when I'm uh, doing photos elsewhere at the same time, but uh, we'll we'll talk about yeah. that. We'll talk about that when we're when uh, off off uh, off recording. But um, sure. What's one of your favorite burlesque acts that is not yours? <laughs> um. So there's three guys out of Denver called the Burning Loins, and they do this, like, mermaid act and sailor act, too. It's raining men, and it is the fucking greatest thing you've ever seen. It is hilarious. Um, that I mean, it's a great act. That's my favorite that I can just watch over and over again. The one that so. pops in my head is when the first – I saw the Suicide Girls, I think, on their first tour. It might have been their second. Um, and these mm-hmm. – Curtains open. I want to say it's like the fifth act, fifth or sixth act, and there is a beautiful woman, half naked, handcuffed to a chair, and stuck in the middle with you comes out. It starts playing, and then girl, mm-hmm. girl Mister Blonde walks out, dancing, all pretty, with a straight razor, and we all know what's about to happen. <laughs> We all know what's about to happen. Fake blood cuts the ear off. Fake uh-huh. ear throws throws it into the crowd. The place uh-huh. went buck wild. Not not, but it was at the right place, at the right time. It was at the punk rock bar in OKC. Uh, uh-huh. I, I, it's very difficult for a girl to get me to do something on command. But the, hey, they got free stickers over at the uh, at the merch stand. Great. Can I have a couple of free stickers? Sure. You uh, want to buy? You want to buy a T-shirt? Uh, Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And then the. the... I, I... Oop, you froze. Are you there? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you froze. What were you saying? Yes. I, I said I've seen some crazy. I've seen a lot of great burlesque, and, and one of the best places to do that is the Burlesque Hall of Fame in Las Vegas. Every year they do a show called The Weekender. And it's where they, they, they crown the king and queen of burlesque. It's a competition. But they also they feature some of the best burlesque that there is in the world. And the creativity is on another level. And sometimes it's st- the, the act tells a great story. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just kind of what I call like a popcorn flick. You know, it's just there for fucking entertainment. And I love those too. How do you create your stories? I mean, are you are – you- don't tell me you're one of those guys that's like, I cut promos all the time. Like, well, let's film one real quick. Oh, not right now, brother. <laughs> like, uh, no. how do you create your stories? Like, it's usually if I get, I, I get inspired by something. It'll be something that'll inspire me, something I'll see in a movie or something. Um, you know, early, early on, I used to just do make a lot of what I call popcorn flicks, where it's just, there's no meaning to the act. I just think it's funny or, or, or sexy, and I just, you know, like that song, so I put together an act to it. Um, but lately I've been starting to, like, really get into putting messages out there and things that inspire me and that I want to inspire other people. So it's usually, like, something I see. And, for, for example, my, my fragile act, it started with I watched that TED Talk, and it inspired me. And I thought, you know what, I need to put an act together. 
And I actually based the character, it, it was twofold. I was also inspired by the movie Rob Roy. Are you familiar with Rob Roy? I am. Liam Neeson. I am familiar with It was with like Rob Roy. Nike movie too, I think. Yep. All right, well, you got Tim Roth, Timothy, Timothy Roth in there, and he plays this, like, flamboyant in this, like, the 17th century pink outfit and the wig, but he's, but he's a very, he's educated and he's a trained swordsman. So he's kind of a badass, but he's so fucking cocky about it that at the end he loses because um, Liam Neeson just kind of like goes hardcore rough and he doesn't expect him to just catch his sword with his bare fucking hand. Like that's, that's not the gentlemanly way to win a fight. Right. Um, so he gets beaten that way. But that's the character that I based that fragile thing on because I feel like he had a lot of fragile masculinity. Like he was, he was under the care of his uncle. He didn't have his own money. He was trying to make his own way in life. And he was basically abusing women and abusing everyone else to get there. So, I mean, between the two things, that, that TED Talk that I watched and that, that's kind of where I got inspired to build that act. So, you know, that's where I'm at now with what I do is something inspires me and I'll build an act on it. I really appreciate you sharing that, man. That's that's a lot. That's that's uh, I basically asked for your formula, mm-hmm. and it's 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 a lot of uh, and everyone listening, like it took a long time. I'm I'm about to turn forty. It I started being me around twenty five, but it took a long mm-hmm. time to be able to have like you and I have said hello. We've shaken hands. Nice to meet you. Beautiful Bond villain. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yep. But it, it took a long time to get to be able to talk to almost a stranger like this. And there's an art to it. Uh-huh. And I really appreciate how you've talked openly and uh, unabashedly. And a lot of the subjects we've talked about tonight are extremely delicate. Uh, frankly, I was actually sure. I was actually worried about bringing these sort of things up with you, but uh, it was nice connecting with you. Yeah. Uh, tell us the name of your troop one more time. Uh, so right now uh, it's called the Burley Scouts, and it's kind of a play on Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts kind of thing. Kind of cool, kind of. I don't know. It, it, it's new. We just abandoned another troop in, in December because of some toxic stuff, mm-hmm. and so we kept as many people as we could and then we started teaching classes again and we just gained 30 new members a couple weeks ago so and you know what's really cool about this is that uh since i started pro wrestling now and i love pro wrestling like this is an, this is a very similar art form it really is 100 um i i just I, I jokingly i call it burlesque fighting like it's, it's you know we're you're, you're picking a character and you're it's building burlesque. a costume it's and i see a lot of i see a lot of pro wrestlers that don't put a whole lot of effort into how they look, but like me coming from burlesque, like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stand out. Like I'm going to like, and, and the people that have come to the shows, like I came in full gladiator gear one time. I, I've worn my pink outfit, the, the fragile outfit. I've wrestled in that fucking thing. Um, so I, I love the crossover between burlesque and wrestling right now. And our burlesque people are now crossing over too. In fact, we have, I think nine women training at the wrestling school that want to be wrestlers that are also burlesque performers. Is that uh, uh, Malice in um, uh, Jimbo School? It is in Power Training Center. Hell yes. yeah, Malice, Malice and Jimbo are they're they're the men, man. Those guys, 
Jimbo's always been like I actually was having a conversation with uh, Adrian the other night about how kick ass Jimbo is, and uh, he's like, "Man, Malice is back," and I'm like, "You know, yeah. you know, like I get a lot of fake people shaking my hand because I'm doing photos and shit. I get it, whatever. I, I, like it's, I, I, it's a thing. It's, it's, yeah. it doesn't bother me. But I was at the at a, at a primo show and um, I was talking with CM Rice and uh, uh, we were just chatting about photography like we always do um, and. Someone taps me on the shoulder, and it was Malice. And I turn around, and he just does this. I'm like, hell yeah, bring yeah. it in. Like, I hadn't seen him in almost two years. Yeah. Like uh, The last time I saw him was yeah. at a CSW show. But we had, he was one of the first guests on, on Minefields. And, uh, and, and it, 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 the, 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 the sincerity, like just bring it in. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm, I'm so yeah. happy that they're training yeah. them. Yeah, and I love it too. Um, you know, I, I'll break kayfabe real quick because Malice and I are in the middle of a feud, but he is one of my best fucking friends right now. So um, I love that dude. Um, I love the changes that he's making in his life, and and we're doing really good things right now, especially with this first trap throwdown, which is like inspiring so many fucking people. It seemed like such a dumb thing. I came up with this about a month ago. I said, you know what? Let's start posting these thirst traps and let's build it for Combat and Cabaret 3. Yeah. It'll be Team Malice versus Team Romeo. And we'll get other people to start posting thirst traps too. And it's because it's like this whole storyline where we're like trying to be out, outdo each other. Like I'm yeah. cockier than you are. Um, I don't know how, how good this is to talk about on the air and I, I don't know if no, I'm go breaking for it. kayfabe but go for it. no oh, no no like, like I said the only thing uh, just don't just don't shoot on anyone but like no uh, let's no, talk about it not, I love positive everything I do is positivity I don't like fucking talking negative about people um, I feel like people do that to themselves so anyways but I, I love Malice and, and we definitely came up with this idea this thirst trap thing and Oh my fucking God, it has taken off. Like I started um, monitoring the hashtags. The first two weeks we were over 5,000 um, hashtags on, the, on just Team Romeo. Um, since then we've doubled that. I've got people from out of the country, international burlesque performers jumping on teams like, hey, here's my thirst trap, I'm Team Romeo. You know, people I don't even fucking know are doing this shit. Um, my aunt is posting thirst traps now and she's in her 60s. Like. I, it's amazing to me. I, I love it. I think it's crazy. Um, and at the same time, it serves a couple purposes. You know, it serves the purpose of it. It's lifting people up. Everybody's like commenting, oh, you're so sexy, you're so beautiful, whatever. Um, and it's making people uh, brave enough to, to like put themselves out there, kind of like burlesque does. In fact, I had one of the wrestlers um, at CSW message me privately and say, I just want to thank you for doing this. I have not taken my shirt off in front of people in five years. And I just posted a fucking shirtless selfie and hashtagged it team Romeo. So I think that's really cool. And it's like bringing a lot of people together. And at the same time, it's promoting our combat and cabaret in July. This, this ultimate showdown that Malice and I are battling out in the ring for the belt. Cause we do have a combat and cabaret belt now. Was it this guy? I'm just going to text you. <laughs> Probably. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look. Yes. Yeah, it was that guy. He's one of my best friends. Yeah. He's one of my absolute best friends. Yeah. And I, 
I, I didn't. I wasn't trying to be Team Romeo. Uh, Age and I were. Yeah. Age and I are getting fucked up in his in his uh, in his shot. Like we had gotten some work done, uh-huh. and uh, he's like, "Man, look at this fucking thirst trap shit." And he's like, "I was thinking about posting posting this photo." And I was yeah. like, and I was like, "Don't fucking do that to me, man." Don't fucking piss me off. <laughs> and he's like, what? What did I do? I'm like, I have, you know, I have my computer on me at all times. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, don't right. worry. Like, it, it was like that scene in Fight Club when, uh, oh, I guess I better get a, get a hotel. Just Really? <laughs> like, like uh, two fucking right. pitches of beer and you still can't ask? Um, right. Yeah. Right. No, no. Right. Right. Send me the fucking <laughs> photo and if these assholes want to think they're thirsty, we're going to do some fucking pinhead hellraiser thirst shit. And he's like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. And then we found the background. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then he's like, well, we got to get Danny in on it. Right. And I was like, I, I have Danny yeah, photos, yeah. dude. And then like, and, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, when we were taking the Danny photos like a month beforehand, I was like, do me a favor and lift one leg up like you're, you're flying. And uh, she had to uh-huh. hold that for like two whole minutes while I'm going. And uh, so we did age. Yeah. Yeah. And we did Danny, and we were like, thirst this. And then uh, uh-huh. we got like a fucking bazillion fucking posts on that. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, right. Mr. Yeah. Malice, it, I was very nice. It's very nice to be friends with you, but I'm going to go ahead and join Team Romeo because that's what my crew is on right now. And you know, I told, I told you, it's really, it's really not important what team you pick. Just get involved and have fun with it and and don't get too don't get mean and don't get negative with each other like this is all for fun fun. um and i and and because i mean there's there's something in human nature where we want to put ourselves out there but we're afraid to we want to like we want people to to like us or to like look at us and say oh you're sexy and the truth is everybody is sexy in their own way and that's what this thirst trap throwdown is all about put your shit out there we think you're sexy Pick a team or don't fucking pick a team. I don't fucking care. But just hashtag it. There's trap throwdown. You know. No, it's. it's I, I think it's, it's a cool thing. I have got. I have gotten some negative messages about it from people that are like, oh, "Why are you doing this? This isn't. You know, you're taking over the internet." Blah blah blah. Translation: No one's care. paying attention to me, and everyone's paying attention to you. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, well, tell no, me. I think it's really fun. Tell us how to find you on uh, on on the Instagram, on the uh, Facebook, on the uh, on the uh, the only mm-hmm. on the only Romeos. Yeah, so I'm I'm open about everything, and and I use the same name, the same handle on everything. So Romeo Uncaged. It doesn't matter what social media it is. That's where I'm at. I do have an OnlyFans. I make a lot of money on OnlyFans. Believe it or not, I also have a Pornhub channel that I make a lot of money on too. Um, so you can find me all. You can find me on Farmers Only. No, I'm kidding. Christian <laughs> Mingus. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but but no, I am out there. You know, there's Fet Life. There's uh, MeWe. There's all the social media sites. But it's always Romeo Uncaged. Um, you can find me. I used to have a huge Instagram account with many many followers, but Instagram shut me down years ago when they were when people were um, you know getting paid advertising and stuff. Anybody with over a hundred thousand fans at the time, but. You know, so it's not the same anymore with social media. But, you know, it still serves its purpose, and, and, and I like, I, I feel like it can be used to do good things. Unfortunately, it's used in bad ways all the time. You pulled your ball bag out, didn't you? 
<laughs> yeah, right. That'll get you banned for sure. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's I've been, not, it's I've not, been banned from something. It's not like Japan, like, there's one pube, ban him. <laughs> right, right, right. You, you, you missed the spot. Oh, Japanese has the weirdest position. Right. No, I lived in Japan for a while. It was weird. It's wonderful, man. <laughs> Let's go ahead and invest in a, uh, a Romeo encaged uh, vending machine in Tokyo. We'll make a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, man, that's fun. That's fun. It's it's been great talking with you. Uh, here's the deal. We got a few more things to talk about, but we're going to end this conversation on the recording. Plus, I gotta pee real bad. I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. And Mr. Romeo, this is Minefields. This is an ending res- indie wrestling burlesque report with Mr. Romeo and Cage. Say, do us a favor. I, I, I've never let anyone else do it other than uh, me and the, the the bros. And the, but if you don't mind saying, this is dangerous and this transmission is over. <laughs> All right. Hey guys, thank you for having me on the show. And this is dangerous. And this transmission is over. Cool.